0: He's Daryl Ryder. He's our Browns beat reporter. He's brought to us by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, congratulations! You've made it through another Browns season.
1: Yes, and now all the fun is had in the offseason because certainly there's very little fun to be made during the actual season. So. Wow.
0: <laughs> you and Baskin going podcast crazy? I can't wait.
2: Oh, it's been so much fun, hasn't it, Daryl? <laughs>
0: yeah it has there you go. get a lot of information before it hits the air though i never, will tell you that you've never drop a some nuggets moment on yeah. with
1: this group of highly unsuccessful individuals
0: any reaction to the fact that so far <laughs> joe woods is the only change
1: uh no not really i mean he's he's this year's scapegoat last year it was baker mayfield this year it's joe woods i'm Curious, if they fail again, who Kevin Stefanski will fire and blame for that. Okay, Daryl's
0: cranked up today, baby. Here we go. I love it. <laughs> Daryl, how much
2: will a new defensive coordinator help this team?
1: Eh, it'll help a little. All right. Uh, a little. I <laughs> uh, Just think that, you know, Joe Woods wasn't the only problem with this team this year, but he's the guy that got fired. What were the other problems? Eh, the head coach. Okay, what about him? It doesn't know how to lead. People skills lacking, unable to get the most out of his players. And I can't believe he's back for a, well, I can't believe he's back for a fourth year, but he probably shouldn't be back for a fourth year. Um, two straight years, this team has underachieved. Two straight years, this team has failed to respond to his coaching staff and he's in charge. So the buck should fall at his desk. So if he doesn't get it together this year, uh, he's got to go plain and simple because they're 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 wasting valuable time on Kevin Stefanski in my view. So, um I think he's a major part of the problem. I think that firing Joe Woods only puts a band-aid on things and um you know, I just I I feel like that you either got you either got her or you don't. And I don't really feel like Kevin Stefanski has it from the the, the all-important intangibles. Can he draw up a bunch of creative plays on the whiteboard? Absolutely. Does he have a great football mind? Absolutely. But the one thing we've learned in the last two years, he can't lead a locker room. Plain and simple. Can't lead the locker room. Kind of important to be a head coach in the National Football League. So, I don't know. I don't know. Is there some spreadsheets he can read or a master class he can he can take leadership for dummies or something like that? I I don't know. But he's got to be tremendously better to get this football team to respond to him. Because when you look across the NFL at teams that are in the playoffs and teams that are consistently successful, it's because the players respond to their coaches. And I just don't feel like the Cleveland Browns really respond all that much to Kevin Stefanski.
0: All right, so as I'm listening to you say this, and I'm serious about this, this popped into my head. Eric Stratton is testifying in front of Dean Wormer, and he's like, if you're going to do this – isn't it a condemnation of the entire United States of America, right? <laughs> and I thought, as you're going, I'm thinking, well, if you are if, if you don't want Stefanski around, doesn't that mean you don't want Andrew Barry? And if you don't want Andrew Barry, Paul De- De Podesta put him all – shouldn't
1: you blow it all up, Daryl? Oh, D- De Podesta should go 100% he should go. Do the Baltimore Ravens have a chief strategy officer? Do the Philadelphia Eagles, do the Miami Dolphins – do the New England Patriots – does Bill Belichick have a chief strategy officer? Yeah, Bill. Like, what kind of a clown show are you running that you need to have a chief strategy officer? Oh, and by the way, you've won 15 games the last two years. So, Daryl, you've had a couple of days off, I can tell. I, I just – the more I think, think about some of the stuff I've heard in the last couple of weeks, and the more I think of this situation, the angrier I get for Browns fans, because – This was just such a wasted opportunity. These last year, last two years were such a waste. This is a team that was literally two to three plays away from the conference championship. And they're in last place. They are the worst team in their division again. And you've got the GM and the head coach up there in their season ending press conference cracking jokes.
2: All right. So what's it going to take to change it then? Daryl, how, how do you? Is it going to change?
1: Well, hopefully Kevin Stefanski hires his polar opposite to be his defensive coordinator first and foremost. Because if they hire another Kevin Stefanski to be their defensive coordinator, uh, things are not going to go any better next year or next season, rather. So he needs to hire his polar opposite to be the defensive coordinator first and foremost. Um, secondly, he needs to figure out. How to effectively push the buttons within his locker room to extract the most out of his team. Um, you know, I, I think, Dan, you know, Dan Campbell up in Detroit is a perfect example of that. You know, it was interesting. I watched Hard Knocks because the Lions were featured, and I'm watching it and. I'm thinking as I'm watching it that he reminded me a lot. Campbell reminded me like a lot of Greg Williams. Real, you know, fiery personality, intense, a lot of rah-rah. And and as I'm watching, it, I'm like, yeah, I just – I don't know what kind of staying power this is going to have with that team. Is it all style and little substance? And, and ultimately what we found out is, you know, where the Lions are concerned, there might have been a lot of substance behind that. Now, I don't know the longevity of – the way can you know how how Campbell is able to you know push the buttons of his guys and, and and get them to fire you know fired up and whatnot, but like that's what the Browns need. They need an injection of life into them in the coaching staff. Um, there is something to be said for the calm, cool, collected, even keel. Nothing gets you high. Nothing gets you low. Demeanor but the, the, the when you start seeing your team's flatlining a little bit that like that's when you got you got to inject some life into it and i just i feel like that the browns need some life injected into them and it, you know this isn't just you know 53 guys in a 60 man a 16 man practice squad going to work every day to do a job and I kind of feel like that's what it is for players. Like, we're hey, you know what? We're just here to do what Joe Woods tells us to do. He's the defensive coordinator. We're the employees. He tells us to do this, so we're going to do this. And that, you know. And I just, yeah, I, I just, football is a game of passion and emotion and wanting to just really take it to the opponent, you know, the other opponent, and stuff like that. And the the human element, the intangibles. Missed big time by Andrew Berry, missed big time by Kevin Stefanski, and it's a big, big reason why this team has regressed in each of the last two seasons.
0: Gerald Ryder joining us, our Browns Beat reporter. Do you like the candidates that are being interviewed for the defensive coordinator job? Jim Schwartz, head coaching, and a lot of coordinating experience. Um, Brian Flores, head coaching, no defensive coordinating experience, but... Obviously, he's been a head coach and a, and a good defensive coach as well. Uh, I'd say they're the two at the top of my list. They're up, 1A a and the 1B
1: on my list, and I'm not really interested in anybody else. Okay.
0: I'm with you on that, by the yeah,
1: way. I, I think those are you pick between those guys. Um, Mike, Z- pli- Mike Zimmer? Yeah. Okay. To me, it's Schwartz and Flores. Okay. Um, Schwartz, Schwartz won a Super Bowl as the Eagles defensive coordinator. Uh, As you mentioned, I I mean, he's got a lot of history here, too. He goes all the way back to the uh, first iteration of the Browns. You know, the franchise that was actually worthy of your time and attention. Um, They uh, hired him as a scout. And then when the franchise relocated to Baltimore, that's when he he transitioned into coaching and was the became the outside linebackers coach of the Ravens. And, uh, you know, all his time with the setting aside those years that he was the Lions head coach. And and here's the other thing, too. He inherited an 0-16 team with the Lions, and in the third year got them to the playoffs, ending an 11-year playoff drought as well. So he's got a really impressive resume. He also has a, a bit of a fiery personality, which fits ex- fits exactly everything that I've described that the Browns need. Um, so uh, his his resume is really, really impressive. Flores, too, I feel like can inject some life uh, into uh, I- into this organization. Uh, I'm really not concerned about the discrimination lawsuit stuff because, quite frankly, I think he has a case. Um, and um, anytime I can poach somebody from the Steelers, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, you know, they are the the model of consistency as an organization. and, you know, hopefully, He's able to pick up a couple of intangible things from that organization that he can bring here uh, as well. But he too, also very highly qualified, even though he's not held the title of defensive coordinator before.
2: Daryl, what whoever comes in as defensive coordinator, what kind of dysfunction are they going to have to fix in the Browns locker room?
1: Well, I don't know that it's dysfunction. It's just it it, it is uh, they need to breathe some life into the organization. Get, you know, get guys to f- fired up to play for them. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of important. <laughs> um, if you've listened to any of Kevin Stefanski's victory speeches, they're about as compelling as his press conferences. So, like, they need someone to get them fired up. Uh, you need someone that doesn't come in with the employee-employer relationship mantra, right? I'm the boss, you're the, you know, and you do what I tell you to do. The other thing too is is the ability to read your room and the, the ability to implement feedback from your your players. I think Joe Woods was entirely too slow to do stuff like that. Um, and and because that's imp- they're the guys out there, and if they tell you that they that something ain't working, I think you need to listen to it, <laughs> especially if you can clearly see on the film. Hey, this isn't working. Maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Um, because I think that was a big part of the, the frustration on that side of the ball, guys, is like I, I, I feel like the players didn't feel like Joe Woods cared much about what they had to say and also didn't put them in the right positions to be successful. And he he tried to be too exotic and tried to show everybody how smart he was when he really didn't need to show anyone how smart he was. Like Everyone knows how smart he is. That's why you have the job. You're not a dummy. Joe Woods is a very intelligent man. But, um, you know, so I, I think if those things are corrected, I, I don't think that there's dysfunction in the locker room. And I understand why you'd use that word because of the, you know, the guys that got disciplines and again, commanding respect, you know, uh, somebody that you know, can keep, isn't going to be afraid to, if miles Garrett does something that he's not supposed to do to put him in his place, regardless of the fact that he's miles Garrett, right? um and that so yeah I I I don't feel like it's dysfunction in the locker room I just think it's a need someone that these guys are going to respect and respond to
0: Darrell last thing somebody called yesterday and said something about all the talent on the roster and I said you know I've heard that all year that mean squat well I know and I said I've heard that all year we broke down seven position groups and I said do you have enough talent at defensive tackle, at wide receiver, no. at linebacker? No. So, so is there really all that much talent on this team? It, it clearly, like all teams, there, to me there are a lot of holes on this team that Andrew Berry better fix this offseason.
1: Well, here's the thing. They have the cornerstones. Yes, I agree. Okay. Offensive line, quarterback, running back, number one receiver, now number two receiver, right? Those boxes are checked on the offensive side. Number one pass rusher, check. Uh, good number DBs. one, yeah, your DBs, you're you're in pretty good shape there. Maybe a the little depth or whatever, that's okay. You're always turning your depth on the in that room, no problem there. But from a starting perspective, you you got what you need uh, for the most part in your secondary. I think maybe safety is something they look at in the offseason. season. Linebackers certainly decimated with injuries. I I still maintain they need a thumper at that position, and then defensive tackle. Uh, is something that they're going to need to address. And obviously now the other defensive end spot, they've got to figure out, do they like the young kids they have? Do they go out and bring somebody in? Because I think, you know, it, it helps Miles to have, you know, someone established and impactful opposite uh, of him. So there, there are on the defensive side of the ball, I will grant you, Jeff, there are some holes. But when you talk about the overall cornerstones of team building, right? Yeah. They have those. I agree with you, and and a lot of positions, and then you fill in the rest around them. Um, There is no such thing as a perfect roster. Every team has weak spots. I agree. But it's whether or not you collectively as a team can overcome those and play together and be motivated. You know, like the best game they played was on Monday Night Football this year. If you think about it,
0: I agree. (laughs) Agree. Yep. Why They look great.
1: They were motivated. All the cameras were on them, right? It was showtime. So they were motivated for that one. So I just – I think that's a big part of this is just the the people skills, the motivational skills, the discipline, uh, command respect skills. Like that's what the Browns need to infuse into this organization this offseason to get this thing back on track because this is not a situation where you stare at the GM's often and say, you're terrible at your job, this roster is terrible, we're so devoid of talent we can't compete because that's not the issue. There's always going to be holes to fill every offseason. It's about fixing things in the coaching ranks to sufficiently get this locker room motivated and on track.
2: Well, Daryl, the poobah came in here and – gave me something because this interview has been about as uplifting as reading Edgar Allan Poe in the dark <laughs> while listening to the Smiths. <laughs> so here's some fun that we are going to have on the tail end of this. The NFL has announced the 2023 Pro Bowl game skills competition. Oh, cool. Oh, oh. On Thursday, February 2nd, Daryl, we will have the epic Pro Bowl dodgeball.
1: Ooh. Hey, That's... if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge the ball. Remember that. Is, that.
2: It is a multi-round tournament of classic Thank you, Patches O'Houlihan featuring four teams of five players that begin with offenses and defense for both conferences squaring
1: off. Please tell me Miles Garrett's playing in this thing. They haven't
2: announced who's playing in
1: these Uh, yet, Daryl. That's
2: why this keeps getting more fun. Garrett's got
1: to be in on that.
2: Such as the lightning round, which is 16 players that will compete in a three-part elimination challenge. Uh, to earn three points for their conference, there is the splash catch, high stakes, and thrill of the spill. That's right, there's the water balloon back and forth at each other. I'm laughing at this, but round.
1: you know what? Millions of people are going to watch this. That's have the a- best part.
2: Daryl, we got a longest drive competition for you as well. Four players from each conference golf in to see who can drive a golf ball the furthest. Good lord.
1: We have the Are they doing punt, pass, and kick at this thing too? Well, well
2: they—they're doing pass. We have Me. the precision passing. Okay,
0: they're gonna get percent. the Andy Reid. Rams uniform back for him.
1: Yes, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) Maybe we have the the Pro Bowl coaches do a punt passing kick competition. Well, we
2: got the precision passing, which is always a good time, including a longest, a long distance bucket throw. Those are fun to watch. Best catch is also fun to watch as
1: well. I'm gonna be honest with you. As much as I I I laugh and I kind of poke fun at this, I really don't have that. But the game the game was a joke. Yes, The, the game really was a joke. So and here's the other thing too is these guys aren't going to be wearing helmets and stuff. So you're going to see their faces. You're going to get. The, I I actually really don't have a big problem with them doing this uh, Pro Bowl games thing because the because the game in and of itself, let's be honest about it, it it, it was flag football and nobody wanted to get hurt. And I, I, so they they got to do something to find a way to make some money. So playing a couple of games of dodgeball and doing punt pass and kick and precision passing and tippy-toe catches or whatever. Well, there's also the kick
2: tack toe, which is where the each team's kicker, punter and uh, long snapper will complete in a giant tic-tac-toe cup. See, this is
1: this brings into what they need to do to settle these ties. I think yep. ties need to go away. They <laughs> ought to have kickoffs after overtime. Just hey, penalty kicks just like in soccer, right?
2: As long as there's a landing spot for the yep. shooter, everything will be do, good.
1: Do do the NFL version of penalty kicks, man. Start like at the 35 and then ever, you know, go go back and forth and you know, five-yard increments and first kicker to miss, you lose. Or These something. giggles
2: courtesy of the poobah.
1: Daryl, thank you, buddy. Thanks, You're Gary. welcome, guys. Enjoy the off season. Okay.
0: Peace. I- Hope you feel better after you vented. It was like a Browns therapy Daryl session.
1: It, 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 I just, you know, it's. I get frustrated when I see talent not live up to its potential and opportunity get wasted. It really bothers me. And the, the, what happened this year really bothered me because I thought they were a pretty good football team. And here they are. They're worse than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and those guys were rebuilding. I'll let you chew on that.
0: Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Daryl Ryder, our Browns beat reporter, brought to us by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store.